Disclaimer. I do not own the Persona series, nor do I own its characters. These are all owned by Atlas and Sega. Please support their official releases, and please enjoy your listen. Thank you. Welcome to the Velvet Room. This is a place that exists between mind and matter. Now, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fighting Game Podcast. I'm your host, Ryden Perez, and today we are going to be talking about Persona 4 Arena and Ultimax, or as they're known in Japan, Persona 4, the Ultimate and Mayanoko Arena, and the Ultimax Ultra Suplex Hold. Amazing names. But anyway, um, I wanted to do this episode before I did the anniversary episodes simply because I wanted to do it uh, last month when the uh, ports came to PS4, PC, and uh, Switch. But I was in the middle of doing the uh, Tekken marathon. So I wanted to squeeze this one in between and... Oh boy, I had to do a lot of work since this was basically um, two scripts worth of the game. Um, But hey, I'm getting ahead of myself. We haven't even gotten the characters in story, which, trust me, are going to be the longest segments on here. Uh, But before any of that, I will explain um, the Persona 4 uh, series in itself, at least the story mode-wise, just so anyone isn't confused. Um, So anyway, Persona 4 is the fourth installment of the uh, Persona series. And, um, basically you go to a small town in Inaba, and basically you have to solve murders going inside TVs and fighting shadows using your personas, along with growing your bonds with your teammates slash party members in the game. Pretty simple, and I know it's a bit ad-libbed or abridged, but hey, we don't have all day, guys. Um, I'll explain a little, I'll explain a little more, um, during character-wise, and trust me, I'm gonna have to, especially with Shadows and Personas, and I'll get a little bit deeper into that. But this episode is already gonna be as long as it is. I hoped that abridged version of Persona 4 summary was good, but anyway, let's move right along into the development history of Persona 4 Arena and Ultimax. And here we are, moving right on along to the development history of this game. So, Persona 4 Arena and Ultimax both have different names in Japan. And uh, they are Persona 4, the Ultimate in Mayanoko area, and Persona 4, the Ultimax Ultra Suplex Hold. Which, already here, they have so much better names. But hey, simple is always best, right guys? Um, I, I just really like the long names better. They just have a lot more flair to them. But hey, simple is best sometimes. Anyway, this game was published by Index Digital Media. The developers for this game were Arc System Works and uh, Atlas. So let's get into um, Arc System Works as a company. Arc System Works um, was established in May 1988 by um, Minoru uh, Kodaki. And... um, they basically started out just making games until they made a small uh, game called Guilty Gear, which was a fighting game back in the day, and then just basically became a huge thing nowadays uh, with Strive and all being a thing here now, um, which I am going to have to wait on the Guilty Gear series for a while when I do that. But um, yeah, so <laughs> that's basically our system works in a nutshell. They were basically well known for their fighting games nowadays, but back then they were just making any games that they really wanted. But now we know them uh, for what they truly do for now is um, 
basically making the best fighting games ever known to man. And I stand by that statement wholeheartedly. And up next we have Atlas, uh, which was established in April 1986, um, which made games for other companies. Until uh, they published their own games and just basically became their own company. And then they were just bought out by Index Corporation in October 2010. And then later they were uh, bought by Sega. So that's kind of a twist of my fate. But Atlas is still around doing games um, here and there with the Persona series and a couple of their other games um, coming here and there. But um, anyway, so the directors for this game was Kasehise Wada. And then um, Takume Igachiya. Um, the producers for this game was Minaru Kodeki, uh, Naoto Hirokawa, uh, Toshimichi, and... Uh, oh, no, here, my bad. Uh, Toshimichi Mori and, and Kasura Hashino. Uh, this game came out in arcades March 2012 and later in August uh, for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And as for Ultimax, the directors for this game were um, Kashihise Wada, Seiji Fukumoto, and Takumi Igachiya. The uh, producers of this game, um, Minaru Kudoka, Naoto Hiraka, to Toshimichi Mori, and Katsuhiro Hashonino. Um, the arcade um, release for the Ultimax game came out in November 2018. Uh, 28th, uh, 2013, and later coming to a uh, PS3 and Xbox 360, the September 30th in 2014. And then, like I said, in the beginning of this intro, and the reason why I wanted to start doing this, uh, both of these games was because they later came out to a uh, switch steam and PS4 in March 17th, 2022, which also basically just, um, came with both original games uh stories included with both of them and what ultimax basically brought to the table was just basically having another story and more characters and more gameplay stuff but we'll get to that stuff in a minute um but that's mainly it for the development history sorry if i mispronounced any of the names like i said i'm not too fluent in japanese um but yeah um, this is the first time we're covering ARCs and uh, Atlas, uh, some of my favorite companies to begin with. So, anyway, let's move right along to gameplay. And here we are, moving right along to gameplay. So, there's going to be a lot to cover in this game, and I'll try and go through it as fast as I can, but I'm probably going to have to explain a lot of stuff in this game. Because ARC System Works is known for how intricate the uh, fighting game systems are. So, anyway, let's move right along into Arena, and I'll talk about what Ultimax changed in a minute. So, um, Ultimax, or sorry, Arena... Uh, starting with, we have the SP gauge, which is basically uh, your meter. And then you have um, Burst, which is basically a get-out-of-a-combo-free card. Uh, then you have your Persona gauge, which is basically um, cards with how many times you use a Persona. And if someone hits your Persona, they can break. The thing is, you're limited to four cards for each character. And if you break all those cards, you're stuck without a Persona, which basically means you're going to have a hard time. And there's also status ailments uh, that any persona could do to you. You have shock, poison, charm, fear, panic, rage, mute, and freeze, which all do different things. And it's all really cool since you all have to look out for them. Not only that, but if you get hit by one of these, you have to play accordingly with how it's done. And it's a really cool thing to look out for in tournaments. 
Um, anyway, we have fatal counters, which are basically just combo extenders. If you hit the person with a fatal counter, you can extend them for a bigger combo. You have negative penalties, which is basically if you play on the de defensive for too long, the game will basically drain your meter away from you. And then you can jump with high, uh, along with um, just jumping around in any direction you want. And you can also do high jumps. Uh, you can dash forward and back. You can also air dash. And there's also um, just four buttons to this game overall. You have weak and strongs attacks. One for, your, one for your person and then one for your persona attacks. Two for each. You have a weak human attack, a weak persona attack, and then a heavy persona attack, and then a weak, um, or sorry, heavy uh, normal attack. And overall, um, this is also just pretty interesting just to begin with. Um, we have the sweep button, uh, which is basically just confirms hard knockdowns. You can block while also crouching, and you could also just block in the air, and also if you get knocked down, you can just recover whenever you want. Uh, there's also auto combos in this game, which basically if you just keep pressing the square button, you'll just keep doing an auto combo. Um, All-out attacks, which is basically an armored mood where you can just basically launch your opponent, send them back farther, or just you can build off of it or whatever you want. It's basically an armored move just so you could say, hey, get out of my face type of move. Um, and then you have um, furious attacks, which are basically just counter moves. Basically, um, if you want to have your turn go back and if you want to make a big read, you can just use that and you got your turn back or it just goes set back to neutral. Um and then you got throws, which you can do in the air, and you can also escape your throws. Um, you also have evasive actions, which is basically just rolling, and you get some slight instability frames, which are really, really good. Uh, you can hop, which is basically hopping. You're immune to lows and grabs. Um, you have the... Uh, you have the skill boost, which is basically you just meter burning for a better special move. You have the SP skills, which is basically your supers if you want to basically go out on your opponent you have your awakened sp skills which is basically when you get low enough to health uh your character's eyes will pop up on screen indicating that you are fully awakened and then you get access to your other supers um sometimes it's either one or two supers but basically they do more damage which is really nice um, you have your Awakened SP skills, which is basically, as I said, other supers. You have a Reversal Burst, which is basically if they're trying to attack you, you can just burst it. Um, you have Max Burst, which basically if you hold your Burst button and you hit an opponent with it, your SP goes back to full. Uh, you can Guard Cancel, which meaning you can give up some meter and go back on the offensive. You have Insta Blocking, which is basically builds SP and avoids chip damage. You have the Super Cancel, which is basically canceling your supers and other moves. You have the One More Cancel, which is basically um, if you go back to your original state before you did the attack. It's basically a fancy name a fancy way of just saying combo extensions and you also have the one more burst which is basically burst in the middle of the combo and to where you have your meter and you could just go ham so like a one more cancel but instead you can just burst and just go into the combo and then you have um the insta kills which is basically your character going all out think of it as like the injustice super moves instead this just automatically wins you the match if it lands um, insta kills in this game are 
super super great uh you lo- you'll lose a lot of your friends if you do them on them but if you're just having fun looking around or just want to see them all they're all super super cool to see and if you can finish someone off with this or just combo into it you are just like awesome because uh yikes if you combo into it a lot of stuff can just go your way it is super 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 cool um, it's just, uh, the supers in this game are really, really cool. And just, um, with how everything it is, um, yeah, the insta kills are one of the biggest highlights of this game and just anything that Arc System has done with insta kills because they put their heart and soul into basically doing every single, um, character insta kills. They are super, super cool. You could probably find a video online. I definitely recommend looking them all up. They're all super cool. And then we have uh, the modes. Uh, So we have lesson mode, which is basically tutorial mode, story mode, uh, arcade mode, score attack, training, challenge, versus network, which you can fight between ranked and casual, leaderboards, your player title, which again, basically shows when you're playing online, uh, basically what your um, online tag is, along with how you customize your player card. Um, You have the Xbox... Uh, slash PlayStation Store to buy DLC, and you have the uh, theater slash gallery and options. And there's a lot in this game, theater and gallery wise. Holy crap! And the artwork in this game is also super good. But again, I'll get to that a little later. Um, and then also one thing I forgot to mention during the gameplay, uh, you have a navigator during your fights. Now in the Persona series, a navigator is one party of your team that basically just gives you support and about shadows and how to and how to best deal with them. And this is a cool way to implement just navigators. You can pick anyone from the Persona cast. Um, that you really want, especially in Ultimax, which later just expanded how many you get. You can choose any navigator you want and then just basically um, put them on your side and then just have them say their own interactions and just say whatever they want and to help you during battle, which is super, super cool and a neat idea. Um, so yeah, speaking of Ultimax, we'll talk, we'll talk about all the um, Ultimax changes that were made, at least um, when this game first came out. I'm not going to cover all the patch notes because that would take a while, but I'm just going to go over the base changes of what they did. Uh, you can now uh, short hop cancel into an attack, and then you could also um, be hit during it because you lose that instability once you lose that cancel. Uh, evasive actions can now be uh, guard cancelable rolled. Um Recovering from certain hits will put you in fatal uh, counter-recovery, which basically means if you roll a wrong way, or depending on how they hit you into fatal counter, you can go into a fatal roll, which might just keep you in bigger trouble. Um, Then you have skill hold system, which basically if you hold a button, uh, it'll give it different priorities, making different combo routes. Um, More powerful supers... Um, were put into the game along with um, some different auto combos for characters. Um, Now you are rewarded with meter whenever you make the first attack. Um, The damage of the game was just toned down. Um, The blue, um, the yellow um, UI map for when you fight people in arena where how everything was yellow, the meter was yellow, the bar was yellow, and just the TVs and nicknames are all yellow. And now it's just all changed to blue. 
Um, you have um, explanation marks for when uh, people grab you or just they appear a lot more now if they just hit. So you're more aware. And all characters have a different card max. So back in Arena, they were all set to four. But now in this game, everyone has their own um, certain card max, which is super, super cool and just um, really depends on how you face a certain character now. And yeah, it does make watching for um, tournaments really interesting. Um, and then they also added shadow characters for every single character aside from a few. Uh, and then shadow characters basically don't have a burst, but if they go in, they basically just gain meter for a short amount of time. Think of shadows of, as like a a low a high risk high reward type of deal. If you don't if you mess up, you're screwed. But if you can somehow pull it off you are going to be meter dumping on so much of it. Um, but anyway, that was just with how much uh, this game is just built around. Like I said, Arc Systems doesn't play around with fighting game mechanics. They go fully in. Not only that, but they use a lot of Persona mechanics in the Persona games themselves, which is also super, super cool. Now my actual thoughts on the gameplay. Um, oh boy, this gameplay feels great. Like I said... Um, if you have an opportunity to buy an Arc System Works game, at least for the for fighting games, do it. You will not regret it. They are super – they're just super, super well-made and just super done. And this game is no different. And that goes for both of them. Both of them feel so, so nice to play. And even with the changes, they still feel super, super nice to play in general. It just um, every Arc Systems game, like I said, just go ahead and buy them. Um but anyway, yeah, this gameplay is super, super smooth. The inputs I do feel really, really nice. And yeah, just everything feels really nice to do. And then I also forgot to mention um, that um, Ultimax also added one more mode that was basically a more or less mimicking uh, the original Persona games. Uh, the Golden Arena mode, which is basically you going through dungeons and leveling up to unlock stuff along with unlocking skills for your certain character. Which is basically you going in a dungeon in the uh, actual Persona games and just leveling up. And it's a pretty cool thing to see. Um, along with a new story, as I said before, but we'll get to that when we get to that because, oh boy, that story segment is going to take a while. But uh, the gameplay segment has already taken a while. So let's go ahead and move right on to the music. <laughs> And here we are, moving right along to the music. So this is probably going to be one of my shorter segments, actually, because um, a lot of the same people who just worked on the music just worked on this game. I did write them down, at least uh, some of the main honchos who did this. But um, anyway, let's just move right along into it. Um, so the composer for this game was uh, Soji Meguro, along with um, Agasuchi uh, Kyojo. And uh Yeah! The music that we got, it's mainly from Persona 4 and 3 and with just some slight remixes here and there. But overall, um, just the standalone music itself, at least the music that was introduced in this game with all the character themes and all that. Oh my gosh, they are all super good. I highly recommend listening to both Arena's and Ultimax's soundtrack. They are all super, super, super good. The character themes are all really good. There's character themes, of course, I don't really like that much, but they're still like, if I heard it on the radio, I would listen to it. Um, but a lot of these themes, I'm just going to name a couple in particular. Kanji's theme, 
Oh my gosh, Kanji's theme is probably the best theme in this game, aside from another character's, which being Adachi, but we'll get to him in a minute. Adachi's theme is also really, really good. And also when you're fighting, you can just listen to P3 or P4 music. Um, there's no mixes or anything, but you can just listen to those musics when you're playing um, or just basically fighting against someone and just play any of those soundtracks, which is also just really really good and just the bass soundtracks of p3 and p4 are just really really good so overall the music in this game is just absolutely amazing and we have and i haven't even talked about the main themes so the opening for arena uh which is best friends um sung by yumi um kamamura uh she did an amazing job it's a good song definitely not my favorite one um breakout uh which is the opening for ultimax and who was sung by um hirata shinoko and a uh, lotus juice oh my gosh breakout was such a constant thing that i listened to back in the day and back when i played a lot of ultimax uh when i first bought it for my playstation 3 breakout uh, was such a good theme and i'm not dissing on uh yumi because best friends is also really really good but i feel like uh breakout just fits um the entirety of the story just um itself a lot better um but yeah oh my gosh uh breakout was super super good and same thing with best friends they're both really super good i definitely recommend you listen to them and props to them because they did a really good job with both of those songs and then the composer for um, Ultimax, sorry, I'm getting a little late to this, was um, also Asushi um, Kyoja. Uh, but aside from that, the, mu the music's really great. I definitely recommend listening to both soundtracks. And without further ado, let's move on to the looks of both Persona Arena and Ultimax. And moving right into the looks of both Arena and Ultimax. So the artist for... Um, Arena was um, Shigenoro uh, Sojima and Hanako Oribi. The art director was um, Minoru Akiba. The animation director was Kenichi Shima. And the character designs were um, Takihiro Yoshimatsu. And then uh, for Ultimax, the artist was um, Shigenori uh, Sojima. And this is probably going to be one of my shorter segments. Um, but I just want to say... Oh my gosh! This game looks amazing and this is about almost um a decade old being 10 years i think it's somewhere around nine now no 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 eight eight years uh both arena and ultimax with how much animation there is because um the animations are basically sprites and they're not character models and sprites are a lot harder to make since you have to fully animated it and this is what arc system works was known for back in the day instead of moving on to um more and bigger models um, this is why I'm partial to sprites to begin with, because sprites just give so much charm and personality in a fighting game. And, oh my gosh, like I said, this game just oozes charm. And with Persona, those games already oozed charm. And just mixed with Arc System Works sprites, oh my gosh, there's so much charm to go around with each and every individual character animations. And I know how hard it is to do um, sprite animations, but they are all so, 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 so good. 
I like just take a look online and look at all the gifts for every single character, including Ultimaxes. There is so much animation in that. And there's just so much detail going around in every single character that it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's just so, it's just so good. The characters themselves also look really good. And for the P3 cast with all their redesigns, they all look also super, super, super good. Um, especially P3's cast since they're all grown up now. Um, they all look super good and their characters, and their character designs just really, really fit them. Uh, so without us being said, the sprites look really great. The stages look really, really great. And then the UIs. Oh my gosh. So, um, talking about Tekken's UIs, uh, as for me and my friend, Mr. Gum, we really said they weren't really good. And oh my gosh, looking at both of these AIs was so much better. Now, I do prefer... Um, the UI in the first game a lot better because you basically actually see all the character sprites in certain areas and the menu even itself just basically changes from night, day, and evening and just starts playing, um, persona music. And it's just, ah, oh, it's just so much, it's just so good and well detailed. And then for Ultimax, it's just switching, uh, TV to TV, which granted is still cool, but I definitely prefer, um, arenas UI a lot better. Not only that, but there's, like I said, there's also a lot more navigators and there's also a lot of colors that you can pick for your characters and personas. And if you like one color and not the other color for your persona, don't worry. You can change both of their colors individually, which is just really, really cool looking. And then you could also give your characters glasses or an eye patch. It's all super, super cool. Um, but anyway, enough of me gushing of how this game just looks in general because the next two segments are going to be my longest segments and are probably going to and are what probably are going to make this episode as long as it is. And without further ado, let's talk about the characters. And moving right along to the characters. Now, all the characters in the games have their own taglines, specifically in this game, which is super, super cool. And I decided might as well write it down along with the characters. So every single time, I'm going to introduce the character with uh, their own nickname. So anyway, without further ado, let's do this. So first up, we have the main protagonist of Persona 4, the sister complex kingpin of steel, Yu Narakami, who is played by Daisuke uh, Namikawa and Johnny Young Bosks. Um, New York, like I said, Yu Narakami is the protagonist of P4, and he is kind-hearted, stoic, and really loves his friends and just the power of his um, friendships or bonds, as uh, he likes to call it. Um, but overall, um, Yu is just a very nice guy. And this is his first ever speaking role, I believe, aside from the anime. So, yeah. And I just want to say without a doubt, all the voice acting in this game, amazing, along with Ultimax. They're all really, really great. And I really like all these characters, too. So, here we go. Oh, and also, if I mispronounce any names, I'm sorry. Uh, and up next, we have Yosuke Hanamura, who is Captain Rezantemont. Played by Shotars Morokubo and Yuri Lowenthal. Um, Yosuke is the first party member you get in Persona 4 and the partner to you. Um, Yosuke always uh, wanted 
something to distract him from his boredom. And during this game and just the events of Persona 4, he actually just got what he wanted. Uh, a distraction of just everyday life and just later growing close to the group that they later formed being the investigation team and just seeing you as an actual friend instead of just something new. Um, up next, we have Chie Satonaka, who is the spunky dragon with deadly legs, played by Yui Hori and Aaron Fitzgerald. Now, Chie is the third-party member you get from Persona 4, and she is a person who loves meat, karate movies, and is just super energetic and wants to help everyone. Um... Yep, she's a really good character. Up next, we have the unconquerable Snow Black, Yukiko Amagi, who is played by Ami Kozumizu and Amanda Winley. Yukiko, the best friend of Chie. Yukiko is the um, family-owned owner, or at least the daughter of the owners, uh, the Amagi in that um, they run in Inaba. So Yukiko is the daughter um, she has a very odd personality and an odd sense of humor. Any small thing or any weird thing, she just cracks up and laughs. Um, really, just really, uh, it's really funny. It's a really cute way and a really, um, snorty way of laughing, I guess. But it's a really, it's a really cute laugh. And she does have the ideals of just wanting to, um, leave Inaba and just, um, find out what she wants to do. Um, up next, we have the fifth party member, um, Kanji Tatsumi, who is the blood-curdling beefcake emperor, who is played by Tomokazu Sekai and uh, Troy Baker, who later um, Matthew Mercer took the role for. Uh, now, Kanji Tatsumi uh, may look like a rough delinquent, but he, uh, on the inside of his heart, just, um, really wants to help people out and just really wants to help, um, his senpais being, um, the, his upperclassmen, Yukiko Chie, and just everyone, you and Yosuke, just, he just wants to help everyone, and he, yeah, he, like I said, he just wants to help, he's a very helpful boy, and, um, probably one of, uh, if not the best character in every single Persona game, being Kanji, and up next, we have the Beast in Heat, uh, Teddy, played by, um, Kapo Yamaguchi and Same Rigal. Uh, so Teddy is a shadow who was born in the TV world, and, uh, your early on navigator before he comes a full on party member with his own persona. Uh, Teddy is a lovable goofball who is basically in a uh, bear suit until he grows a human inside of him because he just wanted to get closer to um, his uh, party members. Um, <laughs> yeah, Teddy's a good character, lovable goofball. Up next, we have the 2000 IQ Killjoy Detective, Naoto Shiragane, uh, played by Ryoma Park and Ane Graves and Valerie Arm. Um, Naoto being the fifth generation detective in the Shiragane name, uh, she tries to do her best as a successor for the generations and just to help 
um, her friends in general with this case and just glowing more close to them. Um, up next, we have uh, Mitsuru Kirijo, who is the Imperious Queen of Executions, uh, played by uh, Rie Tanaka and Tara Platt. Um, Mitsuru is the head of the Kirijo group and took over shortly after her father passed. And she is trying to right the wrongs that, um, her old, uh, family members did in the past and just making sure that everyone now is safe from the Kirijo's mistakes back in the day. And up next, we have the two-fisted protein junkie, Akihiko Sanada, played by Hikaru, uh, Midukawa and Liam O'Brien. Akihiko is out searching for strong opponents and just finding his own strength so he can protect everyone and it's just so he can't lose anyone ever again. And also part of um, Mitsuru's team, uh, the Shadow Operatives. Along with the Heartless Armed Angel, I guess, who is played by Mayo Sakamoto and Karen Starsman. Um, Igis is a shadow um, anti-suppressive weapon. Her job is to eliminate all the shadows. And she is a robot who can summon a persona. Um, Igis is really cool. Not because she's a robot. Well, that might be half of it. But Igis just is a really cool character in general. Um, up next, we have Labrys and Shadow Labrys. And I'll get to explaining what shadows are at the end of all the character segments. Um, but uh, they both have the same voice actors, but they have different uh, nicknames for both of them. Uh, so the non-shadow one is Yasogami Steel Council President. And as for the shadow one, the Raging Bull of Destruction. Um, she is played by Ariara uh, Takitatsu and Cindy Robinson. Um, now, Labrys is a new addition, specifically in Arena, and yeah, they did a really good job with her. She has a really nice accent, and I believe it is either New York or a Jersey accent, but it's just a really cute accent to begin with, and I just <laughs> – it's really cute, and I really, really like it. Um, but yeah, Labrys fits right on in in the Persona series herself. Uh, they did a good job with her. Um, and up next, uh, we have Elizabeth, who is played by um, Miyuki Sarahiro and Tara Platt. And she is the lethal elevator attendant. And um, Elizabeth herself is basically um, the, the uh, Velvet Room attendant of Persona 3, which basically uh, she helps you on your way. Uh, to basically getting your ultimate persona and just helps you fuse personas and just buy personas and just she helps you with anything persona based um yeah elizabeth is very um odd even to the velvet room attendants she's very crazy uh she gets her words mixed up quite a bit and she's fascinated with the human world um and that's all the base roster characters for arena but then we're moving right along to Ultimax. So here we go. Up first, we have Rise Kujikawa, played by Rie Kujimiya, and Laura Bailey. Her nickname being the Scandalous Superstar Idol. The whole navigator for the uh, Persona 4 team. Um, she's the one who navigates enemies and tells them the weaknesses of all the enemies. Um, yeah, 
Uh, Rise is basically just uh, the helicopter to give support to her um, fellow comrades when they're inside the TV. Um, but specifically in this game, uh, they gave her a new persona just so she can fight and protect her friends, which is really, really cool. And again, I'll probably end up explaining that in story mode anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, Rise is a pretty cool character. She's a superstar idol who basically retired, but then went back in because all of her friends were like, you should do what you want. And this is what she wanted, going back to being an idol. And, yep, it's a very long journey. Up next, we have Junpei Iori, who is the mighty uh, strikeout slugger. And he is played by Kyosuke Toriyumi and Vic, Min- Vic Mignagia. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced that name. Uh, but anyway, Junpei was the best friend of the P3's protagonist. And, again, he's just a lovable goofball who just wants to do what's right. And, anyway... Uh, He has now become a um, baseball coach for a local team, and he does a great job at that. And up next, we have the unsightly pink sniper, Yukari Takeba, played by Megumi um, Toyaguchi and Michelle Ruff. Uh, Yukari, um, she's the only character I really don't care for in the Persona games, at least um, out of all the characters we have here. Again, Yukari is another party member in 3, and Yukari herself is basically also trying to own up to her um, father, or at least trying to help Mitsuru and just everyone else, while also just trying to get through um, her own problems, which she finally did in Persona 3, and now she's just become a movie star slash uh, Featherman, which is basically uh, this universe, this universe's version of Power Rangers. Um, up next, we have Kanemata and Koromaru, who are the pretentious tenderfoot duo. Um, Ken is played by Megumi Ogata and Cindy Robinson. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ken is basically, um, well, he was a kid and back in Persona 3, um, trying to avenge his mom's death. And then later, um, in this game, basically him just growing up and enjoying his high school life. And I just realized I forgot to say who Labrys was played by. She is played by Ayari, um, Takatatsu and, uh, Cindy Robinson. I uh, just wanted to say that before anything else. Um, anyway, up next, we have the main villain and another new entry uh, brought into Ultimax specifically, uh, Sho and Minazaki, uh, both having two different names, but both being the same people. Uh, and they also both have different nicknames, uh, being played by um, Kenichi uh, Suzuwara and Todd Hapricorn. And both of their nicknames being the Rule Smashing Pun Machine and the Scarface Dark Messiah. Um, I'll get to their personalities uh, at least a little later, or at least their big story reveal. And before we end off the character segment, there's still three more characters to go through because there is DLC for this game. Yes, there is DLC. And up first, the first DLC, we have the sadistic stud-keeping secretary, uh, Margaret, who is played by Sayako Ohara and, Mashiha- and Marashi Rei. 
Uh, Margaret, just like Elizabeth, is another velvet room attendant who helps uh, the protagonist, you, basically uh, form bonds, tells him about bonds, uh, tells him about his fate, and basically uh, fuses personas and whatnot. Just the whole shebang. Um, That's basically it. Up next, we have the antisocial poet of the Hollow Forest, Marie, played by Kana Hanazara, and... <laughs> sorry, and Eden Rigal. And then Marie is also uh, not a Velvet Room attendant, but kind of is because Margaret takes her under her wing just so she can remember her memories, along with you and her other party members also trying to help her regain her memories. Um, and up next, we have everyone's favorite villain from Persona 4, Toru Adachi, the egocentrical police dick. Um... He is played by Misoaki Madono and Johnny Young Bosk. And again, uh, this is spoiler territory, but Adachi is basically the entire villain of Persona 4. And yeah, he shows up in this game. And Adachi is a person who basically only cares about himself. He hates the world. And he does not have any friends himself. And every single relationship or friendship that he is in, he either just breaks it off immediately, just like that. He is very much just by himself, loner type of deal. Um, but yeah, that's basically all the characters. And then we got to talk about the shadow versions of everyone. And this was specifically done in Ultimax. And I'll explain the shadows really quick here, just so I don't have to explain it in story. But basically, the shadows in this game is the dark part of you, or basically the weakness that you are. They go after that weakness and try to become themselves. And once they become themselves, they go into frenzy and try to kill the original. But if you accept that weakness of yours, that shadow now becomes your persona. And I think that just about covers it with the shadow and persona talk I was talking about later on in the intro. Anyway, that's all the characters. This was a big segment. But the story segment is going to be a bit longer since Arena and Ultimax both have different stories but both coinciding with each other. So let's move right along into the stories. So here we go. And here we are, the story of Persona 4 Arena and Ultimax. Now, I'm going to both do these one at a time, and first we're going to start with Arena's, since, well, it's the beginning. But, um, oh boy, there was a lot to go over. This is my first time ever playing Arena 2, and, oh boy, I just have some thoughts I just want to say right off the bat. So, uh, this way it's done, it's split in the character segments, so you can pick a character and go through them. Um... It goes through the characters' POVs and everything, and it does it for each story, which is really, really cool. And this is the first time the series has ever actually done that. Um, it is really, really cool. Um, it's basically evolving off of the old plots, too, from Persona 4 and some of the third ones. Uh, basically, they bring shadows to the uh, P3 cast, which, again, shows some of their insecurities, which, again, we did see a little in P3, but it brings them more here and it is really cool to show it. Not only that, but it evolves off of the um, Persona 4's cast's shadows, too, with saying they still have that weakness and they're still fine accepting it. Um, there's also gag-slash-secret endings. Um, 
There's only three of them, though. Only for Chie, Yukiko, and Kanji. Which I wish everyone had a gag ending, but hey, beggars can't be choosers. Um, however, my one complaint is that uh, the stories are super, super long. And there's no option to go through them all the way. You have to complete everyone's story first. And then you can leave off from where you got the cliffhangers. Which just really sucks. But hey, that's just kind of how they've done this game. So overall, if you want to go through with every single character, it's going to take a while. It took me a while. And I was so, and that's partly why I was so crunched on time getting this script done. It was because of the story in Arena. Um... Ultimax I did once a while ago and I just had to look up the finer details on that and I'm sorry if I'm not going to give a lot of play-by-plays especially in Ultimax just because there's way too much stuff that goes on in that game so I'm only going to get the higher more the higher details basically so anyway without further ado let's actually go into the story of Arena so uh the protag new yorkami comes uh to visit his friends in inaba for golden week uh but it turns out risei teddy and kanji have gone missing and the midnight channel has gone back to uh airing in inaba um and it turns out uh a new form of teddy basically being or just calling itself general teddy uh, starts the P1 Grand Prix with everyone as contestants. They go to investigate and they basically go back into inside the TV and then we're going to shove focus away from them really quick and then bring out Naoto who was hired to keep tabs on the Kirijo group which um, Kirijo herself uh, brings Akihiko and Aegis to the TV world too so they can pick up a weapon known as Lapras. Um, so anyway, as everyone's in the TV, the events here get a little mixed up. Again, they're going by character POV. Um, some of it is kind of well done, but some of it also kind of isn't. Um, but it stays mainly tied to, like, if Akihiko saw Chie, he saw Chie saw him in her story. So stuff like that. But overall, your own character is basically going to be the one doing all the work. And for me, I think it's just you who does all the work because... Again, he's the protagonist, and I feel like that's just a safe bet. Um, basically, everyone has a run-in with Labrys in their stories, and uh, Labrys was the one who started this whole thing. Well, at least her shadow was. But uh, anyway, it's time we go into Labrys's backstory. Um, so this is quite a sad one, and probably my favorite thing about, um, the arena games is just Labrys' backstory. Uh, so Labrys had to fight other models, slash, um, her sisters in the same generation, just trying to develop more and more of the anti-shadow depressive weapons, uh, so they can get personas. And they kept using a, uh, Plume of Dusk, which is basically a personality module, but the only way... Uh, they actually got this far is because they actually used a human test subject for a base of the personality and used just more chunks of the Plume of Dusks, which again gives personality and just gives birth to a persona, even through robots. So anyway, she kept um, destroying and destroying other models of her units until she met um, someone else in that unit being, I believe, 020, 023. Um, she formed a friendship, or she formed a bond with this 
um, robot and she cared for her and she started to wonder like is it really worth it and is it really worth fighting do I have to fight and just can I can I just not fight anymore um, until the researchers basically just kept pushing her and pushing her until she had to fight 0223 and then they both had to fight and just Labrys um, killed her unfortunately and then every single time the um enemies were defeated or the other robots her sisters her their memories just kept getting transferred into her so she had all this weight and guilt to carry until 0223's memories unlocked and gave it to her that uh their mother just wanted them to be happy aka the girl that just gave her life um to be the basis of the ai for all the robots here um Anyway, La- Lap- La- Labrys goes on a goes on a rampage. Uh, she escapes from the facility and awakens to her persona slightly. Um, she goes, she leaves, and sees an ocean, and just like again, she she realizes this is what it means to live. Anyway, they seal off Labrys. Labrys gets transported. Um, and then she makes her way to Inaba, and someone throws her inside the TV, and then she makes the whole TV world up herself, and her shadow has the opportunity to now become itself, the true self. Um, anyway, every single character learns this in a different way. At least not the backstory, but they at least um, tell Igis that you have to confront your shadow, even though it is the ugly, the ugliest part about the person. So anyway, everyone... Uh, cheers her on she accepts herself and then she now has the ability of her persona um anyway after this whole thing ends the p1 grand prix has now finally ended but it turns out someone hijacks labrys and the player of your choice has to defeat them and it's either one of two things we either know who it is from a couple of endings or it's just the entity itself who is the true mastermind anyway um, everything goes up to sequel bait at this point. Labrys decides to go with Mitsuru and the Shadow Operatives so she can just find out whoever did this. And the investigation team still prepares themselves and tries to find out who is doing this. And that's basically the end of the uh, Persona 4 Arena games. Or at least Arena. Um, yeah, there's quite a bit to go over. And there's a lot of um, story details that happen too. Uh, Elizabeth shows up in this, but that's mainly to test Igis and, uh, you himself. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of blow-by-blows-by-blows, or just play-by-plays, that I can really tell, but I don't want to be here for an hour just explaining, going through every single detail about this game, especially in Ultimax. There's a reason why I said Rise had a new persona, is so I don't have to cover it in this. I'm sorry for all of that, but, like, if I really did try and go through all of this, we'd be here forever. Um, so anyway, moving right along the Ultimax, so not even a day, but a day after the P1 Grand Prix, a new tournament that the Midnight Channel is starting, the P1 Climax, still being hosted by General Teddy, um... He basically says the world would be destroyed within one hour. And he shows that Aigis, Mitsuru, Akihiko, and Fuka have all been crucified and have been captured. Um, the Inaba gets engulfed in a red fog and a tower-like 
um, Tartarus, which basically is Tartarus from Persona Three, and Tartarus is basically a tower where all the sh- where all the shadows pop up. Tartarus appears where the school is, and basically that's a guarantee to where bad stuff's gonna happen at that tower. They all need to go there. Um, Anyway, the team fights around town and trying to make their way to the tower um, while also fighting some shadows and sometimes even their own shadows and basically show who the mastermind of the whole thing is, being Sho. Uh, and yeah, Sho is basically the main villain of this game and also a new introduced character. Um, Sho uh, basically also has another personality called Minazuki. Uh, Why he has this other personality uh, gets explained in the P3 story. Um, anyway... Uh, Minazaki, who has gathered Persona Fragments from all of them fighting, uh, basically, he uses the Persona Fragments to destroy the world. In order to get those Fragments, he needed to have them fight. And anyway, he has enough Fragments. He can now destroy the world. Um, you basically confronts him at the top, where he is about to kill Adachi. More on him later. Um, General Teddy reveals to be Hino Kagatsuchi and just using show. Uh, you defeats um, Kagatsuchi with Adachi's help. And, um, you and Sho confront each other, and they both fight at the end, and then everyone gets transported back into the TV world, and I'm not gonna immediately go to the end, uh, we're gonna go to the P3 side, so P3 side, since, um, all of them have been captured, uh, they call in the other three Seas members, uh, Ken, Koromaru, Yukari, and Junpei. Um, even though Junpei made it to Inaba by accident. Anyway, they go out and help him out, even facing their own shadows or each other's shadows, and just trying to save Fuka, Aigis, Yukari, and Akihiko. Uh, show reveals um, he was one of Ikutsuki's test subjects, and Ikutsuki is basically um, one of the main plot points in uh, Persona 3, being one of the uh, team's leader, but later just betraying him. Um... Anyway, he was trying to give him a persona with a plume of dusk, and basically what this did, it worked, it gave him a persona, but it gave also another personality in him, which is which being Minazaki. Um, also, he just wants to make a world without bonds, and that's why he was joining um, Kagatsuchi. Labrys fights him, and Kagatsuchi, Tartarus, collapse, and they all get transported to the TV world again. Um... And it gets explained to us why Sho basically just did this. Uh, he got dumped at a hospital after all the experiments were done on him. And, he, and Ikutsuki left him a bunch of money for the medical bills. But he just ran off to. But he just ran off with all the money and just basically gave it um, to himself. And he went to Inaba to settle. But that's where he found the P4 cast, the investigation team, and basically have him solve all the murders. And he wanted to be a part of it or just wanted to be in the friend group. But he was like, nah, I don't want that. And then, as I said, Kakasuchi approached him, asked him if he wanted to destroy the world. He said yes. And now. Uh, he's at this confuzzle state where he's like, I can't really make bonds with anyone. All I know how to do is fight. Uh, you decides to fight him, as I said in the P4 ending. Uh, he decides to fight him, and they start to form a rivalry slash bond. Um, anyway, show leaves, and everyone gets transported back into the TV world, and everyone shows how they're doing. The P3 and the P4 cast all get their own endings, 
And uh, yeah, so it goes like it goes with all of them one by one by one, which again is really really cool. It shows you departing um, back to his hometown, and accidentally Nanako joins him, and then we have Labrys uh, finding a new home with the Seas members slash Shadow operatives. Again, it's all really really cool stuff. But then after that unlocks, we basically get um, the Adachi story. Which is basically why Adachi is doing what he's doing. And all it's showing is that Adachi is abiding by the rules now. Uh, but Sho breaks him out and shows extends the hand to basically, Hey, uh, I kind of want your help since you also hate this world. Uh, Adachi agrees and then he basically goes around like kind of just like tormenting everyone. Not tormenting everyone, but just kind of like, Oh, hey, I'm back. And then everyone's just kind of scared. And he's like, I'm enjoying this. But then when uh, he actually confronts Sho and just tries to break the fragment, Sho almost murders him. And again, this is where you pops in. But before that, he says he seriously hates this world and don't put him in the same leagues as Sho. Because now that the investigation team at the end of Persona 4 has actually changed him a little bit, he is now... Um, more or less more responsible and says, no, I'm not going to follow this. And this even shows him at the end going back to the jail cell and even talking with his old partner, Dojima-san. And even then, he even relishes that he enjoys um, his time and his company. But um, enough of that. Uh, that, was the entire, the, that was the entire story. Um, I'm sorry, I can't really say a lot of stuff. Um, there were a lot of other breaking points too. Um, Shadow Labrys also returns, um, basically giving her a reason why to be in the character slot to begin with. Uh, basically just, um, showing her that she is also another side of, of Labrys and could just come out whenever with a, even her own persona. And yeah, it's definitely a lot of interesting stuff. We also get P3 and P4 cast together and both of them working off of each other. And seeing them in the story themselves is also really cool. And just like, you know, interacting with each other is super, super cool. Um, yeah, but oh boy, <laughs> this story was a lot to cover. And there we have it. That was the story of Persona 4 Arena and Ultimax. Um, I actually like both of these stories. Both of these stories are really, really good. They are just both really, really long. Like I said, um, Persona 4's Arenas is going by character by character. Ultimax, I never really said, but Ultimax is basically just a timeline of events that goes down. And I much prefer that way of telling it because that just makes things a whole lot easier for this story just to go. Uh, but anyway... I like both of these stories to begin with. Both of them are really good. It's it's the Labyrinth and Show arc. And again, this is like a two-day thing that happens and just a two-game arc. Um, and again, I think it's really, really cool. Even though Ultimax does shine a little away from Labyrinth, but again, Labyrinth had a complete arc in Arena, and this is now given it to Show. And now Show is kind of an uncompleted arc, but it's enough completion to where it's like, I feel, I feel good from this. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. So, uh, anyway, let's move right along to the end. And here we are, the end of the Persona 4 Arena and Ultimax games. 
Now, um, I really like these games. These games are really, really good. And with the um, ports coming out and with them getting updated themselves, I definitely recommend buying these two games. Or at least um, Ultimax, which just comes with the story of Arena. I definitely highly recommend buying these. These are all super, super good. And with 30 bucks, super, super cheap. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we are at the end of the episode and the end of my journey in the Velvet Room itself. Um, we are going to be renaming the entire podcast like itself. Remember, guys, go into the um, polls on Spotify to pick the new name for the whole entire podcast and start a whole new journey with a whole new name for the podcast itself. Um, and remember, follow me under Fighting Game History on Instagram. And with that, our journey in the Velvet Room has ended, and we now have the ability to summon our persona. Now... Let's say it all together, everyone. All with me. The match is in your hands. And Persona! Always wanted to do that, guys. Anyway, enjoy. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. The match is in your hands. And I'll see you on the anniversary episodes.